welcome to season four of the Horton Hangout podcast, a dental podcast like no other. I'm Laura Horton and each month I hang out with individual experts and we answer the questions that you have sent in relating to their field of expertise. Do look out for social media posts and my monthly newsletter to confirm the upcoming guests so that you can send in and have your questions answered every month on season four of the Horton Hangout podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to the Horton Hangout podcast. I'm so excited to be hanging out with the fabulous Rachel Jackson. I have to tell you a bit about Rachel before we start. And also add in that I've had the privilege of knowing Rachel for many, many years. And she really is a wonderful lady and she's so inspirational. And I just can't thank her enough for joining us today. So Rachel is the founder of Superior Smiles in Nutsford, Cheshire. And for the last 17 years, Rachel's been on a journey, a journey of discovery, learning, upskilling and refining in the field of dentistry. And we're going to talk more about that today. Now, Rachel's got over 12 years experience as a practice manager and treatment coordinator. But right now, and for the last three years, she has been living the dream because she achieved a massive goal, which was opening her own practice. I will put the links to the practice's social media channels into the podcast notes so that you can connect and check out the practice. It is beautiful. But one of the key things about the practice is that the patient is at the centre of every thought process. It sounds fantastic. Rachel, hello, and thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thank you for having me back again. I'm excited to uh, catch up. Thank you so much, Rachel. So the first time we um, did an interview together was for the Society of British Dental Nurses podcast. And I will put the link to that in the notes for this show as well, because that podcast shares your story, doesn't it? Right from, you know, your starting point in dentistry all the way through to now. So I'll share that uh, in the show notes. So if anyone wants to have a listen, it's so inspirational. It's fantastic. And that was quite a few years ago now, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I was thinking that as you were saying it, it seems like such a long time ago. And I feel like I've grown a lot since then. So hopefully I've got uh, some more things that I can share with you that I've uh, learned. (laughs) Well, as you're always on that discovery and journey for learning, Rachel, I'm sure there's plenty that you've learned in the last three years. I would say that podcast was in probably in your first year of business. And it is also from memory, the most listened to podcast from the Society of British Dental Nurses. Your story is just an inspiration. It really is. I know it's, it is such a long time ago. And I think that that's the key thing for me is that in the first year of business and having the practice there's so many things that you go into it and you think that you know and actually (laughs) you come out thinking I don't know anything at all um but it's all about the journey and making those mistakes along the way and then learning from them um and reflecting as well so I've enjoyed it it's been hard but I'm still enjoying it so yeah (laughs) oh fabulous right Rachel we've had no surprise, quite a few questions sent in today. So if you haven't listened to the podcast before, the concept of the podcast is I have guests hanging out with me and you send your questions in and they answer them. So we're going to get started because we've got quite a lot to get through. 
Now, the first one, as I've just said, is about you living the dream, Rachel. So this question says, hi, Rachel, you are living every dental nurse's dream and owning your own practice. Can you give me your three top tips for setting up your on your own? Yeah, so um, I get asked this question quite often by a lot of people. And my number one thing that I did to start off with is to create a robust business plan. And the reason for this is that how do you even know where to start or where you're going if you don't know your numbers and you don't know what your plan is? And the problem that I find and I've seen a lot is that people often mistake the business plan as a piece of paper that you take to the bank to secure some funding. And that's where they go wrong because the business plan is your roadmap. Absolutely love that. I love, I always use the map analogy. How are you going to get there? That is the key, isn't it? It's not just about mm -hmm. going, hey, I want to own a practice. I'm going to the bank with a spreadsheet is exactly what you said. It yeah, is that exactly. map, that journey that you're going on. What are your mm -hmm. other top tips then, Rachel? Um, so my, I would say another one is to be prepared. So when I got to the next stage, I wrote a list of every single thing that I needed to do to go from that business plan to opening my doors and also possible things that could happen along the way where things would go wrong and how was I going to overcome that? And I didn't have all of the answers, but you need to be prepared that things will go wrong and how are you going to overcome them when they do go wrong? And also there are so many elements from like recruitment, do your market research, your refurbishment, website, social media, CQC. Sometimes people get a bit overwhelmed and a little bit lost and that's okay. And I think that if you don't know what those things are that you need, then you need to seek advice from somebody that does know. And that's not a problem if you don't know. And I think that the only reason that I do know those things is because I've come from a managerial background. But if there's something that you're lost with or you don't know, then it's better to speak to somebody that does know so that you're not kind of stressing and rushing around at the last minute that you haven't got something in place. Rachel, I absolutely love that. So it's not about being negative, is it? It's about being a realist and anticipating all the problems that might come up along the way so that if a problem does occur, you've already prepared not just in your mind, but you've planned out on paper, you've got your list of how you're going to overcome that problem if it does occur. I, I, oh, I, I love that. I think that's amazing. Yeah. And I think it's just what are the goals and what's the timeline that you're going to get there? Because everyone can write a list, but unless you've actually got some actions next to them and, and like a deadline, then you might not ever complete them. So <laughs> there's that that goes with the list as well. Absolutely. We've got to have our deadlines, haven't we? <laughs> And do you have do you have one more top tip for, for this listener? Yeah. So again, this is another thing that I've seen where some people go wrong in the past, which is why I wanted to do it my way and, and do it the right way for me, is that to not only create the protocols of how you're going to run that practice, but to implement them because and they will change along the way, but everyone needs to have a plan to follow. So it needs to be really well communicated to everybody. Why are they here? What are you doing? What's your mission and where do they fit into it? What are their responsibilities? Because you can't expect to achieve anything or any results or to get anywhere without consistency. So it's really important that everybody is doing the same things the same way and it's done every time, but also that you review it often and you discuss them openly as a team and you take the input from the team because they're the people that are delivering those tasks. So sometimes they might know a better way than you because they're the one that are doing it. So it's really important to have that communication and to listen to them as well. 
Wow, fabulous. Okay, so the protocols, implementing the systems, making sure that everyone's clear in regards to what's expected of them, but then not just designing something and expecting it to happen, reviewing it with the people that are actually carrying out those tasks to make sure things are working. That's fantastic. I, From that, Rachel, can I ask you, mm-hmm. now, if people don't know, just to get it out there, I am crazy about systems. I think everything should have a system. How systemized is your business? Um, <laughs> we are a protocol practice from Yay. everything that we do. I'm exactly the same as you. I just think, how can you w- run it like a slick business, a well-oiled machine, if, if there's things where there, there are gaps? And sometimes you might have a protocol written on a piece of paper. Yeah, that's great. But does everyone understand it? So have a discussion, have a role play, talk through it. How do we deal with the lab work? Does everyone know all the steps? And you'll notice there's gaps. And then you fill in the gaps together. And, you know, we, there would be things that we're like, oh, we're missing this. What can we do to improve it? Let's try this. And, and it's sometimes it is about trial and error, but it's about communicating. But we are a protocol practice through and through from everything, every single step, even the clinicians are the same. It's not just the nurses, reception, management. It's everything that we do. Wow, absolutely fantastic. Music to my ears, Rachel. And <laughs> it, it can seem overwhelming for people, you know, practice managers, team members, owners alike to to start systemizing but we all know when things go wrong it's because a system has fallen apart it's not about blaming a person it's the fantastic saying from Paddy Lund the Australian dentist blame a system not a person but it's mm-hmm. absolutely key to success and I think when I look at your practice the branding is is fantastic and it looks beautiful you know from a social media point of view from a website point of view but what you've actually got there and this is I feel got to be a link to your success Rachel is by developing all these protocols and systemizing your business in the way you have what that shows to the patient is the substance when they come in it's not just looking great from the outside when they come in they are having a fantastic seamless experience because you spent that time creating the systems and training the team as well what do you think I completely agree. And I think that what is so nice is that when people actually come into the practice, um, maybe people that I've known for years that have come to visit or something or somebody that's doing some work for us, they actually say that. They say there's so many practices that you work in where it looks great on the outside, but when they come in, you can sense the atmosphere, the vibe changes, you can see that that's just how they portray their business on social media. But for us, it's such a compliment um, that they say I can actually see that what you do is reflected when I walk in that door yeah that, that's just absolutely fam- fabulous and well done to you because it's not easy it's, it really is hard work really is right we're going to move on to the next question if you had to do it all again would you still set up a squat practice yes 100% and my reasoning for this is that, and this is just my personal reasoning from the years of working in different practices and what I've experienced is that I didn't want to inherit a team member or a patient that has already formed an opinion of how dentistry should be delivered or how a practice should be run. I didn't want them to have that preconceived idea. I want, wanted my practice to be about the people, so about the patients and the team. And I I think it's really hard to find, but I wanted to work with people that genuinely care. 
And I spend a lot of time to make my team feel empowered and that they've got the opportunity to grow and develop. And I work really hard with them to try and develop sustainable habits, not just for them, but also for myself. And the reason being is that everything that you do is noticed by your patients, whether you think it is or it isn't, I can tell you that it is. So that's the atmosphere. If you're genuine, if your team are happy, if you if you care, they notice all of it. And it's really important that everybody's on the same page. So in our practice, we don't have to deal with any of the, oh, we used to do this and we used to do that and we used to do the other. Or the patient say, oh, Mr. Jones said I didn't need three fillings you don't have any you don't have to deal with any of that so it is harder to do a squat at the beginning because you you know it's nice to have the safety net of a stable income but then in my experience the headaches that come with that count me out because I think it's harder to try and change the mindset of a pre-existing team member from a practice that you've taken over or a pre-existing patient of a practice that you've taken over whereas when I did it on my own I could just start from scratch and it was like this is how we do it here so you either like it or you don't work here or you're a patient and you either like the way that we do things or crack on and go down the road because this is how we deliver dentistry in this practice. Oh, I'm sitting here with a big smile on my face because <laughs> I think that is just fabulous advice. And again, this links back to your years of experience as a practice manager, doesn't it? You know how hard it is to deal with team members who aren't on the same page as you and how hard it is to deal with patient complaints. So to eliminate that, right at the start really does support you when you're building the practice that you want to build definitely and I think yeah it it is the key and I think having the right people and the right patients you know we're really lucky and we sometimes sit back and go we're so lucky all of our patients are so lovely but then we sit back and say actually it's because of how we run the practice and how we deliver the care for them and they know what they're getting and they come to us for that reason so it works and, 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 and it's a relationship. It's a relationship with you and your team. It's a relationship with you and your patient and it's hard. And, and I think that when I've been a practice manager, I've always been fighting a losing battle because I can do my part well all day long, but then if everyone else doesn't get it and everyone else isn't on the same page, it does result in unhappy team members, unhappy patients. So it's ultimately a lost cause. Yeah, absolutely. Rachel, if I can, can I just pick up on something that you said and just ask you if you've got a top tip in in this area? So you just said something that is so true that patients can pick up and they can feel the atmosphere in the practice. They can tell if there's unhappy team members. Mm -hmm. So we're obviously in a stage right now where in the majority of dental practices, the morale has been very low especially for this year, especially for 2021. It hasn't helped having this third lockdown in, you know, the winter. Um, And many practices have been struggling in this area. Now, I know this is a huge topic, (laughs) Um, but I just, it's just because you've said it, I thought, let me just ask you this. Do you have a top tip for dealing with morale? Yeah, so it's something that we've even experienced within our team recently, and it's no surprise because of the way that the world has been recently. It's been very hard for everybody. I think my top tip would be to have open communication. It's so important. So make your team know that you are approachable. They can come to you with a problem, but also that if there is a problem or there is a mistake, you're not there to tell them off. You're there to address it and work with them. Okay. This is the problem. How do we now work together to find a solution? Or this mistake has happened. How do we work together to find a solution? And having that 
open door policy. Everybody knows I can go and talk to them or, you know, oh, they're in a bit of a bad mood today. I know that person, they want me to stay out of their way or I'll go and talk to them. Are you okay? What's wrong? Just have an open conversation. It, the, the worst thing is that you can sweep it under the carpet and pretend that everything's fine and then it just explodes in your face. So to have the open communication, I think it keeps morale and it keeps the team happy because even if they're not happy, they know that they could come and speak to you and that you're, you're going to do something about it. Oh, that's lovely advice, Rachel. Really lovely advice. And as I was saying to a, a practice owner the other day, Look, everyone's under pressure. Every person in the practice is under pressure. No one's mm. feeling like themselves. So mm. actually what we need to do is just be a little bit kinder and take the pressure off and be mm. a little bit kinder. But the open communication is absolutely key. And I love what you said there. Don't sweep things under the carpet. That's really great advice, Rachel. Now, the next question, Rachel, is about Instagram. Your Instagram posts are fabulous. And when I was announcing our podcast interview, I hope I did you proud because I really had to put so much effort into the Instagram stories because I couldn't, I just felt like I couldn't let you down, Rachel. Thank you. I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't actually block any time to do it. I'm a real geek. I actually love doing it. I find it like a bit of a hobby. I like making videos. I'm very creative. I've always been really artistic. Um, and the problem that I have is my ideas come to me at night and once I'm in that place, there's absolutely no stopping me. So I'm my own worst enemy because I won't stop until I've been able to deliver what I wanted to deliver. And people always ask me so many questions or how do you do this and how do you do that? But it's not, yeah, it's not something that I want to share at this stage with anybody. I just, I just love doing it. And, and luckily I've got a team that are really receptive to it. So when I go in with a crazy idea of, can we do this video? They kind of look at me with a, oh God, you know, she's on one of these again, but they kind of, <laughs> they're all on board. And luckily our patients are lovely and they're the same as well. So yeah, that helps. I think that's really interesting because I now outsource my social media to my PA who I've worked with for 10 years. So she understands me. I find um, she's, you know, she can big me up better than I can. But what <laughs> I have always found with the social media is that, you know, it is trying to find time to do it and therefore it doesn't become enjoyable. Whereas what you're doing is the exact opposite. You're feeling inspired and creative. And even if that's 10 o'clock at night, you're taking that brain space and utilizing it. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, I mean, it's not for everyone. Um, I think in previous practices where I worked, they would either go, oh, let's give the dental nurse a phone and she'll take some pictures. Or they'd go, let's outsource the social media. And for me, my social media platform for the practice was never intended to be used as this is where my inquiries come from. And they don't come from there because I don't want them to come from there because that's not how I planned it. What I wanted on my social media is this is who we are. We are actually real people behind these masks. We are actually people that we care about you. We're smiley, we're happy, we're approachable, we're friendly. And our patients come into our practice and they say, I feel like I already know all of you because I've seen you on social media. Well, I've done my job then because that's what I wanted. And nobody that knows me from a social media company that I can outsource can deliver that better than me. Yeah, completely agree. And your your social media uh, social media posts are just absolutely fantastic, Rachel. So you know, as we, as you said, you're creative, and that is definitely something that comes across. You do have great ideas, and 
you also get to keep it all on brand, don't you, by not outsourcing. Because I definitely say, you know, with my PA, she knows my brand. Everything has to be on brand anyway, anything she does. She knows all of my fonts, my colours, all of those, you know, my, my, my brand pack, as it were. But you get to really control that brand. And I think you do come across um, really natural, all of you. And I feel like I know your team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's the thing is that with, for example, with your PA doing it, she does know you. So it's different because she knows you inside out. So she knows exactly what your brand is and how to portray that. But with with a, with another company, when they outsource, I see people and they just put this picture on and I'm like, what? what is that like what are you trying to get across to your patient with that post it doesn't mean anything they'll just scroll past it and it's it's almost like how what are you trying to get across with what you're what you're putting on social media yeah and I love how you're using social media particularly Instagram to as a as an addition to a meet the team page really that's what it sounds Mm -hmm. like to me rather than a you know lead generating social yeah we don't use it for lead generation at all we get a lot of interaction on there from patients mostly or people that know us or just even other businesses locally but we don't get many inquiries from it because we never intended it to be that channel so yes we have recently I've started to post a few more kind of before and after pictures but I'm not really about the wall-to-wall of teeth because I want people to see faces I want people to see people because people are interested in people so whether that's our patients smiling really naturally on a selfie like for me sometimes that's actually better than a really set up picture that we've taken in the practice because it's it's real and that's mm. what I want to get across is it we're genuine and we're real yeah and it definitely comes across like that so keep on doing it because it's great I definitely love seeing all your Thank posts you. <laughs> and just to let you know um Rachel when I was in a practice just recently we were talking about Instagram and the clinical manager in that practice said, oh, I'll tell you whose Instagram you've got to follow. And I said, who's that? And she said, Rachel Jackson. I said, oh, yeah, oh. I know Rachel. I felt like, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I know Rachel. Um, oh, like I was nice. really special. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, do you? Do you know her? I was like, yeah, she's absolutely lovely. So oh, thank you. <laughs> See, these are things that I don't actually ever think actually go on. So it's it's funny to hear, but <laughs> it's nice to hear, isn't yeah, it? it so really lovely, is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the next question then is about the reality of setting up your own dental practice. And this mm-hmm. person's asked, what have you had to sacrifice and has it been worth it? Um, yeah, so it's hard work. So any business, whether it's a dental practice, whatever, a business is hard work and you have to be prepared to put in the hours. So my biggest sacrifice has been my time. So in my first 18 months, I wouldn't even take a day off. I worked every single weekend on the business. Um, I think that you get out what you put in, especially within your first two years. So for me at that point, if anything had ever failed, I couldn't have ever looked back and thought, oh, I could have done something more because I gave it everything. But I still do give it everything even now because I care. Um, I really do love what I do and I'm really passionate about what I do. And I think that if you can't stay the same, then probably don't even bother starting because you will end up resenting it because it's really, really difficult. Um, I guess that what I've learned um, from sacrificing my time is that I've learned to start 
setting some boundaries um just like things such as taking time off or blocking time in my diary and also that accepting that actually it's okay for me to take a day off and I don't have to sit at home and feel guilty about it because I, I used to do that and think oh I need to be there for my team or what if you know something happens but it's actually about letting them feel empowered and feeling that they know how to deal with things if I'm not there that's lovely lovely advice and yeah empowering the team and and like you said you know if little mistakes happen it, it doesn't really matter we all learn from mistakes but empowering the team and yeah setting those boundaries for yourself as that business owner really important and you know I completely agree with you you've got to put your everything into it and if you're in any doubt about giving up your time and sacrificing many <laughs> things over the first few years then it may not be right for you and that's probably mm -hmm. a really important question to ask yourself if you're thinking of setting up a practice definitely I think there's such a common misconception that oh, I've got a dental practice or I've got a business, so that means that I can do whatever I want, whatever I want. And actually, no, it's the opposite. So you go from working a nine to five for somebody else to working like a seven till nine <laughs> for yourself and all the other bits in between that come with it because that's what you have to do to then get to the point where you're like, actually, I can take a day off now on a Wednesday afternoon if I want to. So it's all about the balance, but you've got to put the hard work in to get to the other bit. You can't just take the step from that part to, to the next bit. And I think that's commonly what people don't understand. And that's where the misconception is with having a business. So how do you manage your time then? Because this is a question that's come through. How do you divide your week and what are your top tips for time management? So if we think about yourself, Rachel, you've got quite a few different hats you're wearing at the practice. You are the business owner you are the practice manager, you are the treatment coordinator. How are you planning your time? Um, so I would say that the majority of my time, my working week is spent as a treatment coordinator. Um, I try to block out one day a week as an admin day so I can focus on tasks that I need to do related to the business or you know, do, do other things that I want to do that are important in my own life as well. Um, have a few hours to myself, take some time out if I need to. Um, recently, I've started to actually outsource some of my tasks because there are some things that I don't enjoy as much or they're not worth me spending the time on, such as bookkeeping or compliance, for example. So I've come to realise that my time is actually really valuable. And that's something that I maybe didn't realise at one point. So it's often spent better on patient-focused tasks, patient -focused tasks or team-focused tasks. Um, there was definitely a point for me where I was just trying to focus on doing everything. And all that I actually felt was that I was failing because I was just spreading myself too thin and I was beating myself up about it. And, and I realised now that I just wasn't giving enough attention to each task. So I've actually taken a step back and I've learned that it's okay for me to just not be able to do everything and actually it's a positive thing for me to have recognized that and changed my approach to that and that ultimately that means that I'm going to be better at the things that I am good at and the things that I can pay more attention to. I think that's really good advice Rachel because we all have things that we don't necessarily enjoy so much. I'm all about outsourcing as much as possible because I really just want to work on projects or topics that I am really passionate about that I really enjoy so one of those projects would always be anything that I'm doing with a client so I've never outsourced anything with a client but like you say the bookkeeping the accounts management if I don't enjoy it it's gone um, and I think that is really important to recognize that 
you need to let go of some things to enable you to do the other tasks at a really high level. Definitely. And I think that a really good analogy for it, for a dentist to understand that is that they outsource things that they don't want to do or spend their time doing, such as they'll send their patient to a hygienist or they'll get their treatment coordinator to take their photos or they've got someone else to take their x-rays. It's no different. The things that you, you don't need to spend the time doing because your time's better off actually spent doing a full mouth of veneer prep, that's the reason that you outsource those tasks. It's the same for even a practice manager. It doesn't have to be a business owner. It's exactly the same principle. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm all about training up dental nurses, getting them to be really involved in the clinical appointments as well so that dentist time is freed up Mm -hmm. so that they're able to be more productive. That's really key. So I'm, I'm glad you said that there. So in regards to your lovely business partner, I have a question here, mm-hmm. which is, can you share your top tips for finding a dentist to work alongside you as a non-dentist owner? So could you tell us a little bit more about your journey there and, and share your, your tips with us, Rachel? Yeah, so again, I'd say this is probably the most common question that I get asked. I get it asked it all the time. And honestly, it's the hardest part. It's the hardest part for me because of the type of practice that I wanted to have and the type of care that I wanted to deliver. Now, if you're not really that as interested about the patient care and you're doing it for a different reason, then fine, the dentist doesn't really matter. But to me, it does matter and it's very important. So I've known Albert for years. And we used to work together in another practice and he was obviously the dentist and I was his treatment coordinator. And what I learned from working with him is that we both share the same values and we both think the same way about the patient. We both genuinely care. And then aside from how we work with the patient, we've both made a lot of sacrifices and worked really hard to get to where we are today. So we both have that very similar mindset of how you progress and how you get to where you want to be. And when I first opened the practice, I started out on my own with, a, with no dentist as, as my business partner. And I had an associate that worked essentially for me. And it just didn't work because we weren't on the same page. And the associate wasn't at the level that I needed them to be to lead my clinical team and take them to the next stage. And it's really important that that person, they, they can make or break your practice. For me, they they could they made or break they can make or break my practice because I'm not the dentist. So I can do my part all day long, but then if that's not reflected when they go into the surgery, there's nothing I can do about it because I'm not a clinician. And also if I want to take my clinical team to the next level or, or there's something, you know, quality control, how do I manage that because I'm not a dentist? So to bring Albert in for me was actually a no-brainer because ultimately I trust him and you know somebody that I I know that he doesn't work against me he works with me he can manage and lead the clinical team he can upskill them and he can help my team grow and the practice grow together so now it's our practice and we've grown it to where it is today together and and we carry on working hard to grow it even further um so the only thing I will say is it's really hard to find and I'm just so so lucky that I have him in my life and that he's with me on this journey and and we always say between us that one of us doesn't work without the other because we both respect and appreciate the value that the other one brings um so in terms of my top tips it would be it would have to be somebody that you know because and somebody that you know shares the same 
values and has that same mindset as you and that same approach because ultimately it, it will fail because it, it, I just can't see how it would work. And I, I've experienced that firsthand and I can tell you from experience that, yeah, it needs to be, it needs to be tick all of those boxes. Otherwise it isn't going to work. That's great advice, Rachel. And what's interesting is that you have worked together previously. So, you know, as a dental nurse, as a treatment coordinator, that he's a good dentist. You actually know that, which must be such a relief because that must be a huge worry if you don't know how someone works clinically. And every dental nurse can tell you that you, you know when you're working with a good dentist, you know when they're a little bit special, don't you? Definitely. And I think that as a dental nurse, it's important because you recognize those things, but also as a treatment coordinator, I've always stood very much by the fact that I couldn't be a treatment coordinator for a dentist that I didn't believe in because whether you like it or not, you are selling that dentist. And how can you sell that dentist if you don't actually trust them to work in your mouth? So you need to have that level of trust. You need to know that they're good. So yeah, the understand. And also as well, it's like the level that he worked at with me all those years ago, he was good then, but he's even better now. So it, it kind of works, but it works both ways for both of us. And it's, we're just both very lucky to have each other and have what we've got. And we've worked really hard to get to where we are. Oh, it's lovely, Rachel. Really lovely to hear. I have got two more questions for you. And one of them is mine. Um, <laughs> so let's get to the last one uh, that this person sent in. So I think they can have clearly been following you. Uh, through your socials so this person has asked which camera setup do you recommend um so I think basic dental photography can be quite straightforward and I just say that consistency is key so for you know I'm I certainly no expert on dental photography but for my general photos I just use um like a digital like I use a Nikon camera with a ring flash and a macro lens and within the practice we do a lot of other photography and I use other lenses and flashes and setup because the lighting is the key, but that aspect was taught to me by Albert, and it's something that I'm still learning a lot about. Um, all of my troubleshooting that I have with my photos, I go to him and he'll help me to understand what I need to adjust to get the quality that, that he's looking for. But also, I'm the first one to criticise my own work. So I'll usually go to him and I'll point out my mistakes before he can, but I still ask him to critique my photos because personally, I like to receive constructive criticism. It helps me to grow. So you can have all of the skills, but uh, all of the gear, but no idea when it comes to dental photography. So unless you've actually got somebody that is helping you to be consistent in your photos and how you can deliver that same quality every time, you can, you know, the setup, the setup is just one aspect of it. it it's how it all comes together to get the right photos. Oh, and Rachel, you've been taking photographs now for absolutely years. <laughs> And you're still critiquing yourself. I bet Albert's like, oh, gosh, it's, it's, it's absolutely perfect, Rachel. Come on, stop being so harsh on yourself. Dear me. But you're team Nikon. No, I'm actually team Canon. I'm a Canon oh. girl through and through. This is the first time I've ever used a Nikon. And I've just kind of, I've taken the bad camera so everyone else can get the good camera. But I'm just about to upgrade. So I'll go back to the Canon life. <laughs> Uh, I am team Canon as well. So there we go. Okay, fabulous. Right. So my question really just sort of links to something that, that you've just said there about the dentists and, you know, not being able to treatment coordinate for a dentist that you don't know and you don't know clinically and you don't know how they work. And I completely agree with you. I am 
asked all the time, as you can probably imagine, because this is what I do for a living, which TCO would be best in my practice? Who should I choose? And often people feel that they should be looking at, you know, the smiliest person, the best people person. And my response is, tell me about your nurses. Who have you got? And they might say, oh, I don't think I've really got anyone suitable. And I know they have. The journey is often that there's uh, one or two people that just need some confidence building. They need to be believed in. They need to be given an opportunity and they'll shine. And I really feel for a practice like yours, Rachel, that you have to be an outstanding dental nurse to be an outstanding TCO in a high-end dental practice. So my question to you is, how important has it been for you having this high level of clinical knowledge? Rachel's worked with some leading UK dentists and specialists. So how important has it been to have that clinical knowledge of all these advanced procedures when it comes to supporting the patient? Because let's remember, this is what it's about, supporting the patient. How have you found that has benefited you? And have you got any examples that you can give to our listeners as to why that clinical knowledge has benefited you yeah definitely so I am a hundred percent on the same page as you with this and I think that it's a problem because people don't understand that it's so important and it is so important because everybody wants information faster now and if you don't have it it's a problem but also how are you actually obtaining valid consent from your patient if they don't understand all of the steps of the treatment and how it comes together and also patients now know more than you think and they will come armed with so many questions and you need to be able to answer those questions. And the thing is, you can't know everything. Like I, I have a very high level of knowledge from the people that I've worked alongside, but that doesn't mean I know everything. I'm still learning every single day. I don't ever get complacent with my level of knowledge because there's always so much more to learn. But the level of knowledge also needs to complement your clinician. So there's no point in understanding the occlusion and a full mouth rehabilitation if your dentist isn't going to have that same conversation with the patient. So there is a line of the type of practice that you work in and the type of knowledge that you need. And ultimately, you should be learning that just from the clinician that you're working with as a treatment coordinator, because the other issue you've then got is if you know not more than them, but if you are discussing things with the patient that the clinician is not going to discuss, then it's not in harmony. So then that's a red flag to your patient. So, you know, it's about keeping your patient motivated. So I'll give you an example that we deal with a lot with full mouth rehabilitation. A lot of patients come to us for that type of treatment. So it's about identifying that and explaining to the patient what's going on. And the typical thing is I've been to my dentist every six months for my checkups and they say it's this, that and the other. And I can look at that mouth and take a step back and go, that is absolutely not what's happening. This is what's happening. And the patient they cry, they're so happy that somebody's actually given them an answer, that somebody can actually explain what's going on. But also, how do you then explain to the patient all of the options? The option isn't, let's just do a four mouth rehab. The option is you can either do option A, option B, option C, option D. This is what it entails. This is the lifespan of this. This is the pros and cons of it. These are the risks, these are the costs. You you've got to give them all that information. If you don't know it, you can't just sit and go, oh, I don't know, the dentist says you should have this done. It doesn't work. So the, the, the level of knowledge for your treatment coordinator is so important. And I'm in complete agreement that they've got to have that nursing background, because if you st 
stutter or you stumble or you can't answer the question the patient is ultimately they're kind of put off because they think oh she doesn't know and then the dentist probably doesn't have the time to explain it and then the patient is a little bit lost so it's all how it fits in together and and it's it's not just you know getting the patient in and then going through the treatment it's like what happens at the end or what happens long term if something fails well we discussed that with you and and this is the option or this is the solution it, it all fits in together and it's very very important oh fabulous Rachel fabulous answer to my question I managed to get one of mine in how lucky am I yeah it, and and it is a fascinating uh, topic it, it really is I have an event uh, a webinar uh, this month, the month of May, with Practice Plan. So if you are a Practice Plan member, you'll be able to watch that webinar, which is world-class dental nurses become world-class TCOs. And in the future, I will have it on my website, but just not yet, uh, probably um, in the late summer. So Rachel, we've run out of time. Thank you so much. I just want to pull out a couple of things that you've said that, well, everything's fantastic, but these are the key things that are absolutely fantastic and if you're looking at starting a practice just go back to the beginning and listen to what Rachel has said her top tips at the start in regards to creating that business map it's not a spreadsheet of financials creating that business map having a be prepared list anticipating everything positive and negative setting the goals and the deadlines and really focus on the development of your protocols and your systems and the consistent development of them absolutely gold dust those three top tips and in addition to that Rachel has said about you know you've got to sacrifice something and you've got to be so passionate and happy and wanting this so badly. And if you don't, then it's probably not right for you if you're not prepared to make these sacrifices. And if you are currently there making these sacrifices, take Rachel's advice and set some boundaries. That is really, really important. That regular time out, time just to have an hour's walk, for example, whatever is important to you that's gonna support your ability to keep on developing your business set those boundaries that's absolutely fantastic advice and if you want a treatment coordinator in your practice as Rachel has said and I completely agree we are both singing from the same hymn shape the dental nurses have got to be upskilled they've got to understand what the dentists do before moving into that that TCO role so Rachel thank you so much for your time you're a very busy lady and I absolutely appreciate it thank you so much for hanging out with me thank you for having me I've really enjoyed it and I hope that um yeah I think we've had some good conversations and hopefully there's something that people can take away from that absolutely thank you so much please do give us a review and do contact us on social media if you've enjoyed what Rachel has said today thank you for sending in your questions thank you so much for hanging out with us i'd really appreciate it if you could give my podcast a five star review and do subscribe so you can listen to every podcast the moment that it's released